Hello and welcome to West Indies on 99.94 Cricket Every Day. My name is Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt, one half of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. And with me as ever is Santoki Nagulendran, the other half of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. West Indies on 99.94 is your new home for West Indies content. And we'll be dropping into your podcast feed on YouTube or on the 99.94 app several times every week. So please rate, review and subscribe. And thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation. Today on West Indies on 99.94, people, it's never a quiet day in West Indies cricket. We're going to be talking about John Campbell's drug ban. Santoki, take it away. Our second emergency pod in a week. It's literally never a dull day. In West Indies cricket. There I was thinking, Hetmeyer missing the plane was all the drama that I needed for the month when I saw the big breaking news on Friday that West Indies test opener John Campbell has unfortunately been banned from all cricket for four years. Now I'm just going to read the official statement out and then we're just going to dissect this shocking news. So West Indies batter John Campbell has been handed a four-year ban for violation of an anti-doping rule, according to the Jamaica Anti-Doping Commission. Friday's 18-page decision by a three-member independent panel, followed by a charge of evading, refusing or failing to submit a sample collection. Now, the commission has accused Campbell of refusing to provide a blood sample at his home in Kingston in April. And so from backdated from May this year, Campbell has to serve a four-year ban. Now, John Campbell has played 20 tests, six ODIs and two two T20I internationals for West Indies. His last international was actually the second test against Bangladesh in June. Now, obviously, Michelle, I'm assuming John Campbell and his team will obviously start an appeal process, um, which will obviously take some time to get that in order. But as it stands, John Campbell, our incumbent West Indies opener for Test Cricket, has been banned for four years. He's 29 years old, so assuming he served that ban, essentially the peak of his career has uh, will be taken away and it's unlikely we'll probably see him again in West Indies colours. Mash, where where do we want to start from this? How big a shock is this for you? Boy, I don't know where to begin. I really don't know where to start with this one. First things first. Let's start with the four years, actually. I would, because th- there's more to this story. Because I would love to know why the ban is four years. He's not the first West Indian player to be banned. People maybe remember that um, Dre Russ got a one-year uh, ban for, um, was his a via, was his a, Whereabouts violation. I can't remember if his was a whereabouts violation as well, but Dre Russ got a one-year ban. Four years is draconian, Santoki. So I would just want, I just want to know what was the legal, um, as, what which part of the legal aspect of this did, led to uh, Jad Cole saying it's got to be a four-year ban. Now, I know that you said, and I'm just bringing up the statement myself. This is the key part of the statement for me. He was accused by Jadko of refusing to provide a blood sample. I'll tell you why I'm laughing in a minute. On April the 20th this year, it's home in New Kingston. When I see it says that a Jamaican refused to provide a blood sample, I have an image in my head of him just cussing them out as they turn up at his house. The drunk people turn up at his house and the man must have just cussed them out and told them to go away. Because think how mad that sounds, Santoki. He refused. It wasn't that 
So I, all along, we've been told it was a whereabouts violation, right? Which hmm. implies he wasn't in when they came to, and we've heard that like in athletics before, where you get that like three times and three times and you strike out thing where you're not about, you don't provide a a, 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 a drug sample, you're gone. Rio Ferdinand got a one year ban, I think. I can't remember if that was a whereabouts violation thing yeah. as well, or he refused, I think it was he refused to provide. Now they turned up at John Campbell's house. The man was in his house and said, I'm not giving you one. Now, I just want to know, is that what led to the four-year ban, or is there more to it? Like, what are the the, the legal minutiae? Maybe there's probably, um, there might be one of those kind of legal things where you're banned from reporting the finite details of exactly what, or intimate details of what exactly has led to this four-year ban. But as you say, Santoki, undoubtedly, there will be an appeal. There has to be an appeal. As a as uh, an, an athlete who relies or sports star who relies on the sport as their main income, how's he going to survive for four years? And it's not just an international ban. I swear I read that it was a ban from all kind of competitive cricket. Mm. So he can't earn an income from cricket for four years. So what's he going to do? So there's going to have to be an appeal. He has to appeal. Yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, as you said, I think the whereabouts violation is essentially you get given a window where you tell them your location and you have to get tested. If you missed, I think it's two or three appointments, you essentially get a ban, which is what Dre Ross and Rio Ferdinand had, which was a year ban. Now, as you rightly pointed out, the key word here being refusing. So we're assuming based on that, Campbell was in and he did communicate with um, the doping commission, but for whatever reason did not want to take it. Now, Obviously, we'll never get to hear his side of the story because obviously it's still under legal duress. I'm sure he's got the appeals process started at the moment. So we'll never hear his side of the story. But I just wonder what on earth was the reason as to him refusing it. There must be some sort of context as to why he's done it. But you're completely right. I agree. I think if he has refused to do it um, rather than just accidentally missed it, I think that's why they've handed the draconian sentence of four years from all cricket, as you rightly said. So he can't play club cricket. CPL, international cricket, West Indies. There's no way for him to earn an income. So massive, massive blow, and it's kind of it's sort of come out of nowhere because the the, the commission hearing did take place over July and August. All documents had to be handed in by September the fifth, and um, I think they at that point we heard rumours that the decision was being postponed to 2023, and it's sort of come out of nowhere. This four-year ban mash. As someone sort of as you kind of as someone with their ear on the ground in Jamaica. Was this a shock to you? Was there ever a general feeling amongst the people you know or, or your sources that Campbell was going to get banned? Or do, you, or do you think it was sort of expected and West Indies will be prepared for it? It's got to be a shock. And let me tell you why it's a shock. Because I, I of course, I won't disclose my sources, but I have very good reason to believe that Campbell had already been selected for the test series to Australia. Cannot disclose um, why I know this. But the point is, he was due to go to Australia. Um, and he had been told he was going to Australia for, for, the, for the test series. So you're right to say this has come out of the blue. And certainly what that tells me as well is that Cricket West Indies must not have known that this was looming. Obviously, they knew he was part of like a, the, the kind of the, the, the case, but they must not have known that a decision was looming because he wouldn't have been told he was going to Australia otherwise because practically you would have said, well, boy, it's a sticky one for you still. We're going to have to leave you out because as you, as, as, <laughs> as you, as you have rightly pointed out, San, Santoki, we were under the impression, certainly at the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, that the decision was going to be um, put back until 2023. 
Um, so it's definitely come out of the blue as far as I'm concerned. And there may be people listening to this who are in Jamaica who may be, who may be in the know and say, well, actually, no, we, we knew this was going to happen. But if they knew it was going to happen, it's got to have only become apparent in the last few days or the last week or so that this was this was on the horizon. But but like I say, Santoki, and you, you've pointed out that we'll, we probably won't hear the details for a long time, but four years is a long is a long time. It's not enough to destroy his career completely. Let's say it sticks to four years. He'll he'll be thirty three by the time he finally busts case. Yeah, um, which and he can re he can he can revitalize his career at thirty three. The the advantage of Test cricket is look look at Nkrumah Bonner. He's thirty three and he's making waves in international cricket now. So his career won't be done at thirty three. Marlon Samuels took a match fixing ban and he got a career resurgence after that. So. You you can you can revitalize your career um, following the ban, but if we just look at his career ever so slightly, Santoki, the bigger blow for for John Campbell is just as he was, <laughs> because I feel like Santoki every series he's played, everyone's cussed him out and said he's got to be dropped. <laughs> but just as he has, not a career defining series, but certainly a series where people were willing to give him a time extension to go to Australia, because if we look at his numbers. He's, he's been, his average, he's played 20 test matches, three fifties, uh, a poultry average of 26, but that's about par in West Indies cricket right about now. A poultry average of 26. Um, but against Bangladesh, uh, he had scored 136 runs in four innings, one not out, uh, no, two not out, sorry, at an average of 68. So just, just as it looked like he was, he had, He'd, he'd given himself a bit of room for people to not cuss him. He has to take this ban, Santoki. Yeah, it'll be interesting though, because you know the ban is backdated until May. So what happens to his record against Bangladesh? Does that still count? If technically he was a banned player for that time, I'm assuming he must it have does, been. But... So what? So what are Jadko saying that he was under the influence versus Bangladesh? What are they say that? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Let me check the thing. <laughs> Yeah, so the vi- okay, yeah, so the ban's been backdated to start from notification of the violation from May the tenth. Now he played against Bangladesh in June, so where does that leave his uh, innings against Bangladesh? Does it still go on record? I, I need to kind of clarify this because I was under the impression if you have a ban backdated, then surely your performances while you were banned do not count. But then I don't know how that affects sort of the results or anything. <laughs> No, nah, no, nah, let's let, we have to give him the Bangladesh. We have to give him the Bangladesh. <laughs> we have to give we have to give him that. <laughs> but yeah, no, um but, I, um but go on, sorry. I was gonna say, um, yeah, so his last performance was a valiant, was it ten or six for the guy in the Amazon Warriors in, in the sixty, and we might we might not ever see Campbell until twenty twenty six, which is unbelievable. But as you said, Mash, I guess from what we've heard, he was selected for the Australia tour, so this has probably come as a shock to Cricket West Indies. But we're going to take a quick break. And on the other side, we'll analyse the ramifications for West Indies test side. You're listening to Cricket's Conversation on 99.94. Whatever your team, we have the show for you on podcast, YouTube, or on the 99.94 app. We have India, England, South Africa, West Indies, and now Sri Lanka covered. If you want to find us, the best way is to follow us on social media at 9994DM by downloading the 9994 app or Google 99.94 on podcast. We speak cricket. 
Okay, now we're back, guys. And as we said, John Campbell's going to be missing for four years. You'd imagine even if he gets a successful appeal, it won't happen in time for him to fly to Australia and play in that test side. So we're going to need a new opener. Mash, there's one name that's been on everyone's lips probably for the last six months or even longer than that. And you'd imagine it was time for Chanderpaul Jr. to to make his debut in West Indies test colours. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> when, I, when I went out to the Netherlands uh, to watch the West Indies ODI series there, I was captured on camera. Uh, I didn't even know this. Someone sent me the link. I was captured on camera saying that Tay Chanderpaul should be in the West Indies test squad. Um, I... I I didn't assume. I didn't think he'd be making his debut anytime soon, but I did think he needed to be in the test squad. And you, you and I have discussed this at length, and we both agree that he sh- he's clearly should be part of the environment test fight environment going forward. And he was actually selected in the Bangladesh uh, or was around the the test squad for the Bangladesh series. Now, the thing is, this Santoki, it's obviously going to be Tej now who steps into the breach uh, against Australia. But I feel for him, Santoki, because he, he deserves it. And let me just set a disclaimer as well, because there will be some people who will listen to this and be like, what do you mean Tage deserves it just because he had one good season? No, no. Go and do your research. Tage Shandapal should have got his chance probably a long time ago in terms of test cricket, because if you actually look at his numbers over his career, he has performed in at least three other first class seasons. It's only now that he's finally getting a, a, a test chance. Okay. Now, Santoki, I, I feel for Tej though, in a way, because although it's deserved, although be albeit off the back of unfortunate circumstances for John Campbell, who in their right mind would want to make their test debut in Australia, Santoki? He's he's got about as much chance as you and me have succeeded. Well, he's got he's got to do better than our last opener that we took last time we toured, which was Vajendra Chandrika. So uh, <laughs> the the bar's not been set high with Tej and Chandrika. But yeah, I agree. As you said, he was picked as a reserve player for that Bangladesh series part of me was thinking maybe he should could have got one test um against Bangladesh just to kind of prepare him um but obviously that would have been unfair on on John Campbell and we weren't to know what was to happen with John Campbell so it is what it is Tej Narayan's just got to step up um he will he hasn't played much first class cricket he wouldn't have played much first class cricket going into this Australia series I'd imagine we're getting one warm-up match in Australia so he just essentially got to go in and perform as well as he can. I don't think, based on the context of him being sort of shoehorned into the eleven, you'd imagine, um, based on John Campbell being gone, um, I don't think he he'll be judged too harshly by fans. Um, he's essentially got to do what he's got to do um, with little notice. But Mesh, it's interesting because we're we're assuming Tajan Ryan's going to come in. Do you think there's any other possible contenders that could come in for that opener spot? Maybe players who haven't been around the test side who they might think, all right, it's worth a gamble now we've got a gap in that opening spot. The I, I can only think of one person that, two, sorry, two. I'll give you two people that could step into the breach. It wouldn't surprise me to see Shea Holt back in the test squad. It wouldn't surprise me whether they would want to put Hope to open alongside Craig Brathwaite on the basis that Hope has more experience than Tay Shandapal. I'm not saying I would, but I could see a rationale for that happening. Um, so don't be surprised if you see Shea Hope in and around the test squad to go to Australia. The other option they've got, again, I wouldn't do this, but do you remember when, uh, oh, sorry, what am I talking about? Solazano, that's my third person, sorry. But I'll get to him in a minute. In fact, let's talk about it now. When Solazano went to Sri Lanka, who was supposed to get his chance, then obviously got the blow on the uh, on the helmet. Uh, Jermaine Blackwood opened for him instead, uh, or substituted and opened 
uh, instead in Shanko and did ad- uh, admirably given the con- uh, the circumstances. That's the other option. The third option is Salazano gets a go um, as the as the guy who was supposed to get a go initially, but arguably it can't be Solizano because Shander Paul has outperformed him on the first class arena. So if someone's going to get a go from the first class arena, it's got to be Shander Paul over Solizano. So the only question mark then is, do you go for somebody who's actually experienced, I guess, Aussie conditions or in- international cricket at the highest level so that that experience Ways have ways better than Chandapur's inexperience. Do you get what I'm trying to say there, Santoki? Yeah, no, 100%. I think um, Chandapur got the nod over Solazano in the Bangladesh series as the backup opener. So I think bearing in mind Campbell's gone out, Solazano will come into the squad, but not the 11. So I think Solazano will get a spot as the backup opener. For me, as you said, there's no other options other than the tried and tested. You go for Shy Hope, Kieran Powell, maybe they might pick in the squad. Um, Jermaine Blackwood, I don't think we'll see him as an opener, even though he has played there in the past. One sort of outside outside chances, you talked about Australian conditions. Brandon King would have been out there for the World Cup. They might put a phone call into him and say, listen, do you mind staying on for a few extra weeks? Coming into the test side, we know he we know he's done well in Red Bull cricket in the past. Hasn't got a lot, lot of experience in the past three years, though, in the format. So that could be an outside chance that they go with based on his performance um, in Australian conditions. But it does open up a massive gap and it'll be interesting to see kind of how Chanderpool does step up to test level in probably the toughest conditions. I mean, other than playing in India, Australia is the toughest conditions. You've got to face Stark, Cummins, Hazelwoods on unforgiving pitches. Um, it's going to be very tough for Tejan Ryan Chanderpool, but it's a baptism of fire. And I'm sure with the advice and guidance that Shivna Ryan will be giving him in the coming weeks, I'm sure he'll perform as well as he can. Um, but yeah, interesting... <sighs> I'm trying to think what other openers there are, Mash. There's not anything else. I think you made a very accurate point. I think this does definitely mean we will see Shy Hope back in the test arena. So the cutouts will start amongst fans. And yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see to see a Kieran Powell. But other than that, there's no no real other options, Mash. I think we just got to go to Australia and pray that we can uh, put together scores over 150. Listen, in fact, actually, before I make this point, you know what, people, we're going to take another quick break. And then uh, on the other side of the break, we're, go- we're going to talk about what Chase Shandapur can bring to this. We're making the assumption he'll play, but we'll talk about <laughs> what Chase Shandapur can bring to this West Indies side uh, in, uh, in, abs- in the absence of John Campbell. If you love the language of cricket and want more, then head over to the 99.94 app and you can hear all of our podcasts and cricket commentary. We're adding new shows all the time and covering cricket series from all over the world. Be the first to hear all of our announcements by following us on social media at 9994DM. Welcome to Cricket's Conversation. Right, so Santolki, um... Now, I'm going to take some heat here and people are going to accuse me of Jamaican bias. Um, but let me explain something. I actually like John Campbell and I, I, I actually had a lot of time for him being in, the, being in the West Indies team. But here's the reason why. Craig Brathwaite, first and foremost, likes playing with John Campbell. I think that much is clear. They, they, they open together at under-19 level. They, they, they know each other's games, right? But there was something that John Campbell did that was quite often underrated. Um, and if you look over his record in his career, the thing that Campbell was able to do is he could actually see off the new ball. 
And if you, if you look at his, his, his average of 26, obviously looks rubbish in like just in the cold light of day, 350s after 20 matches, looks bad in the, in the cold light of day. But when you actually deep dive into his numbers, so I'll take the Bangladesh series, for example, three out of the four innings versus Bangladesh, he, he faced 72 balls, 67 balls, 79 balls. Even in the England series, which we won one nil, he, he, uh, he, he had six innings. He faced 63 balls one time, 73 balls one time, 54 balls a next time. Um, in, in Sri Lanka, after, when he got dropped after that series, he faced 148 balls in, in, in one of his innings. Uh, going, I'm still going, sorry. Bangladesh away, Santoki, 50 balls, 68 balls, 48 balls. Now, I know I know some people listen and go, Mash, that's not, a, that's not a high bar you're setting there. But listen, listen, West Indies cricket. A man coming in and facing 50 balls. It's good stuff in West Indies cricket. So, but but this is where, Santoki, I'm not um, scared if it is Tej who has to come in for um, for John. Because the one thing that Tej has made his name for um, in, in domestic cricket is soaking up balls. However, the flip side to that, Santoki, is that West Indian fans will say nobody wants to watch Tej and Craig Brathwaite back together because by by lunchtime, it'll be something like 20 for none after 36 overs or something like, or something like that. So, so where, where do you stand on the Tej arguments and talking his ability to soak up balls? Yeah, I think it's, it's badly needed. I, don't know, I, I can see why fans would say um, Tej Navine and... Uh, Craig Brathwaite would be a bad combination, but I think the the rapid rate in which we lose wickets consistently against sides means we essentially need someone, uh, uh, two openers who can bat out the first 20, 30 overs and soak up the new ball and put pressure on the bowlers. So I think Tejan Ryan will be suited for that. Essentially, at the end of the day, he's a classic test match player along with Craig Brathwaite, and that's sort of what we need. And if you look at one of his most recent innings against Barbados, I think he hit 141 of 433 balls in the first innings, which is a classic Tej Navine innings. But then in the second one, when the light was fading and they needed a result, he hit 23 of 10 balls. So he does have it in his locker. He's played T20 cricket in USA. So it's not as if he can only play one way. I think he can adapt based on the situation. But as an opener, we need players who can stick in there and bat out the new ball as it comes and put that pressure on. So I think Tej Navine will be perfect where Craig Brathwaite to frustrate opposition bowlers and Obviously, he hit another century um, against Bangladesh A as well. So this is the next step for him. So I'd be very interested to see how he works with Bathwaite um, against, the, against the Australians. And I think it's, it's something to look forward to. But just to, just to touch on John Campbell, I agree. John Campbell, uh, I wouldn't say he's underrated, but he did do a job. As you said, his on stats alone, it's very poor. But if you look at the job he did for the team, he, soaked, he took a lot of pressure away from Craig Bathwaite, which often allowed... Brathwaite to push push on and get big scores throughout the innings. He took a lot of pressure off the new ball as well. So he has had a role for West Indies cricket. And also for me, looking at him playing for the past three years, we've often seen West Indian players, their body language, they're down and out after losing a lot of times. Campbell's always seen someone who looks very positive and looks like he's happy and grateful that he's playing international cricket. He's always someone that's brought positivity to the side. So I do feel it will be missed because he was kind of forging a good relationship with Craig Brathwaite at the top of the order but unfortunately, this ban has come. There's nothing we can do about it. So we're moving on to the Chanderpool era, Mash. Yeah, most, most definitely. Uh, I think we should, let's just put a little disclaimer. I mean, Santoki has said that 
even if the appeal goes in, John won't be ready, w- w- wouldn't play for Australia. And that's correct. Like, unless the, unless he did the quickest appeal and the courts went through the quickest process of all time, he's done with regards to Australia. So if anyone's listening going, why are you not acting as if he definitely won't feature? He can't. The, the, the appeal system means it just won't go that quick. It, for Even if John's appeal was successful, we wouldn't see him again till the summer in 2023. And that's being optimistic, right? So that's why we are talking about the replacement because that's the reality of the situation now. I think you you mentioned Tej against uh, Barbados. One of the, even after that Santoki against Jamaica, Tej hit 184 against Jamaica uh, of 425 balls. Now, People remember that Craig Brathwaite against England earlier this year hit like a hundred and I can't remember if it was 170 or 180 off of about 500 balls versus, versus England. And Santoki and I are basically here to say, listen, West Indies, at a time when we've been so used to in West Indies last 10, 15, 20 years of test cricket, where we just lose wickets in clusters, as much as people will say they don't want to see it, I would, any day of the week, Santoki, I would gladly watch Brathwaite, Shandapur, followed by Nkrumah Bonner, soak up the whole day. <laughs> you <laughs> going, know what? Going at a run what? rate. Going but- at a run rate of 1.2. <laughs> I was going to say, my dream my dream would, to, would be to see that first day against Australia, West Indies be like 120 for one after 90 overs because it would also, it would also <laughs> silence... It, it would also silence a lot of critics because you know a lot of commentators and critics will say West Indies have given up on Test cricket. They moved towards T Twenty cricket. They can't hold. They can't preserve their wicket. They play calypso cricket, as they always call it. So I think this will be a good sort of rebuttal to that. If we can have actually classic Test match players who just frustrate, frustrate bowlers, frustrate audiences, hit at one point five run rate, and then what can people say? People can't say, "Oh, we're not geared for Test cricket." So. I think that would be poetic justice if we did had Tage and Craig just slow down, slow down test matches as the revival of the West Indian test cricket. <laughs> and the thing is, you're right. Watch how quick people pivot to this is awful cricket to watch. <laughs> how can West Indies be doing this? <laughs> and you and I will be the first people to defend it and say, you lot said that we could only play one dimensionally. Now we're giving you what you want. This is pure, this is purest, this is purest cricket. What what more do you want from us? <laughs> Listen, if we go to Australia and just play board draw cricket and come away with a nil nil series. <laughs> Listen, we need to give them open. We need to give them open top bus parade when they arrive back in the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Mash, on a, on a, let's let's wrap up on a, on a on a serious note. Obviously, we've talked about um, Phil Simmons's role as as coach and sort of in white ball formats. He's um he's been under pressure. Do you think if we were to crash out early in the T Twenty World Cup and then get hammered two 0 in Australia, do you think that would have pressure? on Phil Simmons' job um, as a multi-format coach. So maybe we'll save this for the inevitable episode after we do crash out of the World Cup <laughs> early. But um, I I have already prepared myself for Phil Simmons to no longer be the white ball coach by, if not before the World Cup, quali- the ODI World Cup qualifiers, after the ODI World Cup qualifiers, I've already mentally prepared myself that Phil's gonna, the roles are gonna split. Um, I even if we got hammered in the Test versus Australia, Phil should never lose the Test 
the test role. We've just come off a summer where we've beaten England at home, beaten Bangladesh at home, where fifth or sixth in the World Test Championship. That's good by by any metrics and any standards for West Indies. So the test role is Phil's. On the only way Phil loses that is if he doesn't want to do it. But I I'm, I can see a situation where World Cup dependent. If we don't give a a kind of competent showing in the World Cup, I can foresee that Phil either voluntarily steps down from the white ball role or Cricket West Indies make a decision to split to split it uh, in half. But we shall see, Sinton. Yeah, definitely. And um, I guess that's us wrapping up the episode. Um, this week's been a chaotic one. We've had Hetmeyer miss his plane. We've had John Campbell banned for four years. So who knows what our next episode will be? As we said at the top of the show, there's never a dull day in West Indies cricket. But MASH, that's it from us. Yeah, for sure, for sure. People stay locked in. We've got loads more content coming in the in the next few days and weeks. As ever, like, share, subscribe, rate, review. But most importantly of all, stay locked. Thanks for listening to West Indies on 99.94. Please rate, review and subscribe. You can also download the 99.94 app from wherever you get your apps. If you'd like to follow us personally... Go to at Carib Cricket on Twitter and Instagram. You can also head to www.caribbeancricketpodcast.com where you can find links to everything we do outside of 99.94. If you'd like to follow us personally, you can find Santolki at Santolki89 and Michelle at MashSTPaddy. Remember, if you love cricket, then 99.94 is the home of cricket audio. Follow them for podcasts and commentary from the world of cricket. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or Padel, as it's called in North America. This is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!